Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Show, the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions. And now, the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio. Here's your host, Patricia Raskin. Hello, everyone, and welcome. Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show, right here on VoiceAmerica.com, America's Voice. And today we have one of my favorite people on the program. She comes on every other month, and her name is Paula A. Marshall. She is Bama's Chief Executive Officer. And Bama Industries makes all of the apple pies and fast food desserts for many of the fast food companies, which include McDonald's and Walmart and Pizza Hut. They make pizza dough. They make apple pies. And they also now have Bama Foods and they have Beijing Bama and Bama Europa. And so under her leadership, they've expanded to um, over to provide a variety of frozen desserts and baked goods to fast food chains. And Paula is, uh, the company is about 83 or 84 years old now. It was in her family business. It started on her grandmother's kitchen table. And she has taken it over and since 1984. And has, it has really grown. And I, I must brag, too, and say that Paula was recently inducted in the Oklahoma Hall of Fame. Welcome, Paula. Thank you, Patricia. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here today. Yeah, it's really great. Well, you know, speaking of all of what you do, I really thought it might be interesting to talk about some of the the fast food trends. You know, as we've had COVID, there's sort of a new shape now. There are new things, what's happening with the future. And there are several articles about this. And since you're you're right there, I wanted you to comment and, um, you know, and what you really think of these things. So one of them is, it's saying that there are going to be more vegan options. Do you see that? Yes, I think I think we're all. I think the whole planet as as a. I think as a general rule, um, people. Well, I think number one, uh, value to start driving more and more and more things. So, I think as the economy tightens and heats up, and it costs more to, you know, just to buy to go out to eat, even to shop. It's extremely expensive. True. So I think you know, people are concerned about health. People are concerned about the spending. And obviously, protein is one of the most expensive things. But it's also plant proteins are a bit less expensive, even though they're getting more expensive as well. But I really think that uh, it's, you know, it's part of an overall system of how people think to... Yeah, I mean, in the countries, you know, that's all they've had is beans yes. and rice. I think yeah. for for a long, and that it's that's driven a lot of their economy. Yeah. So you know, yeah. we get I travel, you know, I travel to Asia, I travel all over the world, and um, hardly any place eats as much animal protein as the United States. It's it's by far and away. Uh, we're the largest, one of the largest consumers. Um, and so, you know, it just, it just goes to show that I think the will make these changes on their own. But we, you know, we've got to also, the farmlands need to be brought up to speed because you don't want all your 
corn being sold, you know, for animal feed or mm-hmm. for ethanol, you know. You have to grow some food to be able to make vegan food. You have to grow some plants and grow some food. So we, I think we need to rethink a lot of things about our agriculture yes. in order for this to be a viable alternative mm-hmm. for, you know, mm-hmm. everyday, the everyday person. It, but yet, you know, Paula, when you when you study like healthy places on the pl- on the planet where people live, Dan Buettner wrote a book called Blue Zones, and he went around the world and found the five healthiest places where people live and live the longest. They eat a plant based diet. Correct. So there's health. There's health Correct. involved here. I mean, not it's 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 time, it's money, but it's also our health. It's health, availability of it. You know, I mean, if you looked at, I've read that book and some of the books about the healthy diets and. You know, a lot of them are islands. They're island people. They yes. eat a lot of fish. Yes. You know, yeah. they grow things. They've got moderate climates. Yeah, and they different. and they don't have a lot of sugar, and they don't have a lot of animal products yeah. available. So, you know, it's real, really, I think the global economy has taken us to a place where I don't think we could have had before. And that, you know, so much availability of so many things. You know, at so much time of the year. I mean, we used to not be able to eat a lot of vegetables in the winter. You had to can them. You had to eat them out of jars and cans and things like that because we didn't have grocery stores that had fresh produce from mm-hmm. all yeah. over the world. No, now so they do. We think about where these things come from, and you know, it's a it's been a global economy. Mm-hmm. So taking things back to you know the land and seasons and local growers, you know, you start to see less um, options in restaurants mm-hmm. for vegetables, you know. Like, I just got back from a trip to Europe, and there's one choice of vegetable right now, uh, you know, in Poland because they're not growing very much there because mm. of war. And so people aren't used to that, you know. You go in the grocery stores, there's nothing there. Mm. So it's kind of, you know, it's... It's kind of a, it's health, but it's also just the management of our food system and the global mm-hmm. supplies that we've had, sort of changing a lot of that around. Yeah, yeah. And yet here, I mean, there's there's a new place that came up in, I'm in the New England area, but I think they're all over. And it's a, it's a, um, a fast food place, but it, it is a restaurant, but it's all plant-based. So you order ahead, just like you would at any, you know, at McDonald's or or Kentucky Fried Chicken, and they have burgers, but they're all plant and all mm. different kinds of burgers, but it's all plant based, and they have vegetables and they have French fries. <laughs> you know, it's it's fascinating, and it's expensive. Right. I mean, I got to tell you, it is expensive, but it's yeah. you know, it's all plant based. Right. Well, like you say, when you balance out. Um, you know, spending all your time at the doctor, having yep. surgeries, being in the hospital, you know, being for heart conditions and things like that. The plant-based diet is less expensive if you look at everything yes. from in your medicine cabinet to yeah. surgery to quality of life to, you know, you, you, you really add it all up. It's And that's actually what I, pre- I prefer to eat vegetables. I eat a lot. Of vegetables. Now, I eat steak once a week, but I mean, I don't eat steak every week like I used to. You know, we used to eat a lot more protein and a lot more uh, chicken, a lot more turkey, and a lot more 
Um, and it's, you know, now it's more, um, well, we have a farm. We uh, have a lot and we have ducks and all that on it. So we're, we're now, you know, processing a lot of our own meat. So mm. when I'm in town, that's what, that's what we eat. Yeah, which is which is great. But as you said, the trend is more toward the, the plant-based. Now, there's another trend I want to ask you about that I think is interesting, and that's the sustainable packaging, right? I mean, you know, uh, making better environmental judgments is a business decision, and that's been happening. We're seeing more recyclable materials, plant-based materials for packaging. Talk about that and what you're seeing in your industry, in the fast food industry, when you make products for companies like McDonald's. Well, you know, I think um, we've been on this for many, many years now uh, because McDonald's has been you know, they've seen the waste in the system that the packaging, the corrugated packaging and things like that creates. So we've had a pro, uh, you know, a project for many years. And in fact, we've won awards and stuff now on our zero, uh, mm-hmm. pounds to landfill. And that's all based on recycling all the cardboard that comes in to Bama. Now we had to buy a recycling machine. I mean, we had to buy a, you know, a machine that we could prepare the cardboard for use to get picked up by, you know, the, the cardboard companies so that they could recycle it and reuse it. But we don't have anything that's going to landfill anymore. So I think mm. you could say a lot of the McDonald's suppliers are trying to do that. And a lot of what McDonald's is working is, you know, packages that don't stick around in landfills, that they dissolve and that they, you know, they're broken down by the, you know, the organic around them and things like that. So I think, yeah. I think, um, basically, it's it's pretty much just like everything else. Uh, right now, there's a lot of focus on it, but people like McDonald's and all the McDonald's suppliers have been focusing on it for a really long time. Hmm. And then here's another one, and that's that there's more. I, I love these because I'm, I'm seeing them, and then I realize, yeah, this is really happening. More beverage op- options. Remember, I mean, it used to be all soda before, you know, soda and sometimes right. juices. But now there is more sparkling water and specialty beverages that you can get easily where it wasn't so easy before. Right, right. Well, I think companies like, you know, Coca-Cola and Pepsi and those guys have, you know, it doesn't take a genius in marketing and marketing research to real, and marketing insights to realize that, you know, the schools. So what I would say, Patricia, is, you know, it doesn't take a uh, marketing, you know, it doesn't take someone to be a genius, a high IQ to realize that, you know, schools are cutting down on the amount of pop in the vending machines. Uh, a lot of states have implemented a sugar tax. Uh, so anything that has sugar in it is taxed at double the rate. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of strong preference for especially kids to drink more either fruit juices or now they're realizing that fruit juices are causing obesity so because mm-hmm. they're drinking too many of them. So they, you know, they, they say, okay, Coca-Cola, Pepsi, what can we do? Well, we can take a little of the fruit juice and put it in sparkling water. Right. And then we have something, something new, you know, that the kids mm-hmm. will, will like to eat. So mm-hmm. they drink. So it's all about, you know, studying your consumer, knowing what they're doing, and, you know, reacting. So that's, I think that's what the big drink manufacturers are starting to figure out, is we we have to make changes in what we're doing or 
like giant diamonds here. Yeah, that's fascinating. All right, we're going to take a break in a minute because there's a there's a few more things that I want to talk about um, in terms of trends. And one of them will be, you know, the healthier menus and self-ordering and just, you know, the way we order, how we pay, which is really different and curbside and all of the different things. But um, and we'll come back to that. But let me ask you this. What's the biggest change you've seen, Paula, in your industry, in the fast food industry, even in making the food in the since the pandemic? What has been the biggest change that you've seen? Or maybe you've had to do it differently. Well, I think when you see you know, a total reset, really, of the consumers and what they're willing to do in terms of going out, in terms of being around a lot of other people. Uh, you know, we, we saw our restaurants and the grocery stores, you know, start to struggle with how do yeah. I get, how do I get a, you know, a touchless bag to the, to the customer's car? How do I show them that I don't have, you know, I haven't had anybody open up their food and touch it or whatever. And so they started, you know, they started putting a lot of stickers on and, and just being more available on DoorDash and a lot of companies hiring a lot of technical guys uh, to run their social media, to run their ordering systems, to run their, you know, how can I send a text message out to a, to a customer to remind them that they haven't eaten in two or three days from us and here was their last order. I mean, you start seeing all those things on your phone, right, Patricia, show up and just reminders of, you know, when the last time you ordered from X, Y, or Z place. Yeah, absolutely. Particularly things I like. That's one of the big things that I've seen is that the companies aren't as just passively sitting by and hoping that someone remembers that they used to exist. Um, I can tell you, we were in, uh, I was in Durango a few months ago and went into downtown Durango. And the, I mean, every other restaurant is boarded up, you know, and I can't remember the last time I ever saw that happen. That's just unheard of because people have such an appetite for going out. But a lot of the restaurants didn't have enough capital, couldn't afford to jump over to to individual ordering. You know, it was just like, hey, here's my phone number. Call me for an order. So they didn't know how to market themselves or advertise or, you know, they didn't know how to do mm-hmm. it. So, you know, you've got just you've got a tremendous transition in mm-hmm. the number of restaurants that are out there, the number of options, the number of people that went under. And so it's very... It's it's kind of, you know, eye-opening from that standpoint, for me at least, that, yeah. you know, there's a lot of great chefs and restaurants that just didn't have enough money to yeah. stay in business, you know, for this whole thing to finally cycle through. Right. And I think, you know, that's where a lot more people were ordering out. You know, using um, using these services, as you said, technology. Now companies are proactive. They'll get your email and they'll send you a text. I mean, it's it's very proactive marketing. And as you said, you know, more people will use fast food. But the fast food industry now is is changing in terms of being healthier and really listening to the consumer. So I I think you know that's part of what you're saying. So when we come back, we're going to talk more about you know, what 
the kids menu looks like, that it's healthier, about self-ordering, about um, how do we pay for this, that there's a whole different pay system now that makes it easier for consumers. And Paul A. Marshall is the CEO of Bama Industries. They make all the apple pies and fast food desserts for many big fast food chains like McDonald's. And she's been in this business for over 30 years and really has seen the growth. And we're talking today about what, you know, every how everything has changed with technology, how certainly COVID has been a catalyst for that. And, you know, the growing market that we're having with fast food, but that it can also be a healthy market. So we're looking at that. We're talking to Paula and we'll be back right after the break. This is the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show right here on voiceamerica.com. America's Voice. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. It's time to get real, discover who you are, and get the tools to navigate your life. It's time to rock your midlife with Dr. Ellen Albertson, the Midlife Whisperer. Your midlife roadmap is the blueprint you need to roll with change, transform yourself, and create a fabulous second adulthood. Get answers and solutions for whatever you're up against and transform problems into opportunities. Make your next life chapter your best chapter with Rock Your Midlife every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Planning for college? Tune in to Getting In, a college coach conversation for tips, techniques, and insider perspectives. Hosted by Elizabeth Heaton, a former admissions officer at the University of Pennsylvania, and featuring her fellow admissions and college finance experts from Bright Horizons College Coach. The show shares what colleges are really looking for and how to highlight your hard-won achievements for the best chance at success. New episodes air every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Today, our 40s sit firmly in midlife. We are starting to feel our place and have many productive years ahead. But now is the best time to plan for our future life. Listen for 45 Forward with host Ron Roel. From retirement to health and technology to caring for our parents, no topic is off the table. We don't have a roadmap to our actual future, but we can start to plan more effectively. Tune into 45 Forward, Mondays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to The Patricia Raskin Show. If you wish to call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That number again is 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com. Now, back to The Patricia Raskin Show. Hi, everyone. We are back. We are back with Paula A. Marshall, who is the CEO of Bama Industries, and they make all of the apple pies and fast food desserts and now and now pizza dough for Pizza Hut, McDonald's, Walmart, and they've been in this business 
83 years. It's a family-owned business, and Paula took the helm in 1984, and she just received a, um, from the state of Oklahoma, she was inducted in the Hall of Fame, and the company's won many, many awards as well, and um, and they really have worked a lot with the Deming-based model of really being so customer-oriented, and that's their mission is people helping people be successful. So, welcome back, Paula. <laughs> Thank you very much. All right. So I wanted to keep talking about these trends in fast foods in 2020, in 2022. So, and we, you touched on this. They're saying that now kids' menus are getting expanded. They're now going to start doing more healthy things for kids so that kids can have the same meals as their parents, but a little smaller. And also it's just a healthier menu in general. Talk about that. Well, I think, you know, when I, again, when I go around the world, um, I don't see portion sizes like we have here. It's the portion sizes in the U.S. are just obscene. And so I really think what will gradually happen and as they get the American consumer more used to paying more for less food, um, that's the trend. The trend is, you know, your kid's meal will be cut in half and your meal will be cut in half because Mm -hmm. the prices are going so high and, the waste and what people leave now because people are more aware of what they're, you know, how much they're consuming. Uh, And so it's, it's just, it's just better for everybody all around, not for kids to waste so much food and wait better even for the adults not to have to waste. So if the plate sizes were cut down, I would be all for it. Yeah. And I find when I go out and if I get a regular main course, I usually have to take half of it home. I mean, yeah. some of these portions are huge. I mean, just huge. I look at them and I'm overwhelmed a little. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, I know. I was yeah. just. I mean, the last three uh, dinners I've been to, every single person in the whole re- in the whole place was taking food home. They had little yeah. boxes. They had, yeah. you know, yeah. two or three boxes. And so, I think it's. I think the messages are, you know, either order a normal amount and I'm going to have enough left over that I can eat another meal so I won't have right. to buy right. anything for tomorrow. And right. so I think people are starting to think about that because I've not seen so many meals being taken out, you know, so many boxes. Yes. And so I think people are using them at home to help cut the cost again. I agree. I agree. That's great. Now here's another one. Another trend is self-ordering. And it's a convenience element that contributes to the success of the fast food concept. And so now there are alternatives. And um, so talk about the, um, the ordering, how people are ordering differently and also paying differently. Multiple payment options like Apple Pay and Google Pay. And, you know, talk about that. Yeah, I think the, um, you know, a lot of these trends, Patricia, are driven by my customers, you know, McDonald's, Yum! Brands. Because, you know, they do 25 and 30,000 transactions every day in the U.S. marketplace. And so they drive a lot of what happens uh, in terms of, you know, the trends. And so if you've noticed, you probably haven't because a lot of people, you know, we know. I eat at McDonald's all the time, but a lot of people don't. And so if you go into their stores, you'll see instead of a lot of benches for people sitting down to stay and eat, they will have a big you know, board that's, you know, probably three feet by five feet. And you just Mm. walk up to it and you punch in your order. And they're called uh, menu boards. 
And so mm-hmm. a lot of those trends now, that's if you want to stop and go in. If you go to the drive-thru, you'll still, still you'll hear a, a person talking to you. But for the most part, people can text in orders now to McDonald's. If you know you're going home and you know you want to have a McDonald's burger or you want to have a pizza or you want to have some Taco Bell or whatever, you, you have apps now. You have these apps. Everyone has them. You go on the app. You just order, and your food's ready for you to pick it up on the way home. So it's a super convenience, and I think it all blossomed during COVID because mm-hmm. it was driven fear that people had that if yeah. I go out to a big restaurant with a bunch of people, I might get sick. Yeah, which and could I think happen. that's what a lot yeah. of people are really, yeah. really concerned about. Yeah. At the base of all of these changes, I really think it has to be, you know, we have to take it all back to COVID. Yeah. And I want to, this is, I want to tell you about this other article because I want to give a synopsis here. There's another article called The Future of Fast Food in 2022. And it was in, in January. And here are some of the things they're saying, which is what we've just been talking about that mobile ordering has soared, that curbside pickup has found a new life, that drive throughs have found more takers, that third party delivery has morphed from an experiment into a necessity. And that growth will be aligned with, ex- with enhancing the core business, not with flights of fancy. So businesses have to innovate and grow prudently. And the other one is that customers will be spoiled for choice. So you'll have to offer greater value, efficiency, and trust. And what else here? Um, more and more people want greater ownership of their future. So franchising as a business model will grow. And entrepreneurs will find greater options to start a business. What do you think of all that, Paula? Well, I tell you, that's my world. <laughs> yeah, that's my world that I'm living in. So, I mean, it's it's absolutely one of the great things about making the pies for McDonald's and making the breakfast sandwiches has to do with the fact that everything we do is portable. We call it portability, and and so our pies come in a box. They've already been baked by the store managers. And they're fresh. They have a holding cabinet, and they're they're still fresh in their holding cabinet. But it's all about taking it away now. It's all about what can you serve that can hold up with a guy who's in a car driving somewhere, maybe has stops and is going to spend thirty five minutes getting you your food. Well, obviously, French fries you can reconstitute them like if you have an air fryer. They're not so good in the microwave, but if you have an air fryer, you can put them in there and reconstitute them. They weren't so good before air fryers came along. I think that's another reason things like air fryers have gotten so popular because they heat up fries, chicken, you know, all kinds of when it comes, including everything else. When it comes, you want it to be so it's not. Fryer allows you to put something in there that you know, it's not as good coming out of a microwave. So mm-hmm. I think a lot of these things have, people have been experimenting, yeah. people yeah. have been trying, but there's no way to reconstitute some of these cold foods mm-hmm. without, you know, with, yeah. with a microwave. So it's, that that's it's, another thing I think you're seeing is a lot of different ways to reheat the food now. Yeah, it's interesting because I'm just reading what you just said. It says brands will gravitate to a digital menu for products that travel well 
during delivery and a separate mm-hmm. in-store menu for food that is best served hot at the store itself. So it's right. going to change more. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yep. That's what's happening. It's all, you know, I mean, the whole, basically the whole world during COVID converted yeah. things they could either, you know, make yeah. easily at home. And then when they got tired of cooking, you know, or making peanut butter sandwiches or bolognese or hot dogs or having pizza three times a week, people got more experimental. And so yeah. Yeah. more things became offered on DoorDash. But the other thing is people are going to have to get spending more to have things delivered. That's true. The fuel is more expensive. You know, the person driving the car is more expensive. So I also heard the other day someone say, you know, it's not as cheap to get an Uber anymore. You know, there's a flat Mm -hmm. fee to take someone home or to get a ride or whatever. Mm -hmm. And that's also a function of, you know, the pandemic, no drivers, cost of everything just going up. And plus, a lot of these companies are tired of losing money and subsidizing Mm-hmm. All these things for for young people when they can pay for it now. So I think you're going to see this type of stuff continue to to go up, but the cost of convenience is convenient go go up. True, but I do think the good news, Paula, is that it's customer centricity. It's very customer focused. You know, people right. are getting their needs met, and I think that's true. Right. I want to ask you. I want to ask you about this. I just read this. This is fascinating. As community living social groups grow, drone and bot-based delivery may find favor for small orders. Wow. Do you know anything about that? Um, Drone and bot-based delivery? (laughs) Well, as a matter of fact, I do because one of our customers is testing drone-based delivery. And uh, obviously, expensive technology very hard to deploy outside of really heavily, heavily populated areas. Right. So you won't see it. I don't believe you'll see a drone in, you know, in the middle of the desert. Now, you might see one in Las Vegas. Mm. Um, you might see one when the traffic is so bad. I mean, we were just in London the other day, and there's a strike. <clears throat> and so they've got, you know, they've got a lot of cars on the road. So... Yeah. A lot of those companies were, you know, trying out different things, trying out different different technologies to get the food delivered without people having to wait two or three hours to get Amazing. it. It says in this article, Paula, that Domino's has been looking into autonomous vehicle delivery with NURO Neuro since 2019. So I think that's uh, either bot that's either bot based or drone. So you know, it is it is in the works, as you said. Yeah. yeah, pretty amazing. Yes, I mean, it definitely it, is. Very, very expensive, but it'll be here someday. Yeah, the the thing the thing that I you know when I'm I'm watching all this and listening and reading, I don't want us to lose the connection. You know, like in in other countries, like in Europe, where people sit down and they have a community celebration and they don't it's not like they're eating over the stove. They're they're all working together and food is is more than food. It's it's gratitude and it's connection. And, you know, I'm listening to all of this and I'm saying, are we going to lose some of that? Well, I think we already have to some degree. Um, Yeah, I traveled over to Poland for the first time in two years and. I was so excited to see our teams over to 
see people, that shake everybody's hand, that talk to folks face to face, to see them, to see how they're really doing. It's very difficult to check in with folks on the, you know, on a a phone call or you know a uh, Zoom meeting or a Teams meeting or something like that. It's it's very difficult. So I'm I'm enjoying uh, going back around and seeing everybody and talking to everybody and you know being live and for myself. And I think there's a lot of people that are this whole thing just normal. Just let me get normal where. I can right. see people where I can go right. out every once in a while or, you know, I don't have to be afraid. And, and I think people in the world are, are really ready for that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, as you said, the togetherness part, you know, even if you're going to order out, you know, order out and sit down together and enjoy it. You know, I mean, I think that that's an important well, thing. Well, there's some, you know, human beings are not designed to be, solitary, Alone. left on That's their right. own, you know, I right. mean, it's just not, it's not how we're designed, you know, we're designed as creatures and each other, and sector, obviously, of IT folks that don't like to ever come out and don't want to ever talk to anybody, but <laughs> th- those folks are few and far between, and even those folks have, they've created social networks online and things like that mm-hmm. to, mm-hmm. you know, to interface with others, so I really think that it's, it's part of the human condition. It's part of something we all need to get back to, and and we all need to, you know, embrace each other. And I think it will help us get closer as as societies, you know, if we can do that. Yeah, I agree, absolutely. All right, we're going to take a break, and then when we come back um, for our final segment, we're going to talk a lot about what Bama, uh, Paula's company, she's CEO of Bama Industries, what they're doing really to give back in terms of teacher grants and educational technology scholarships and, you know, just things that the company has done really to not only help their team members, they're not called employees, they're called team members, but the community at large. Um, And they are based in Tulsa, but again, they're our global company. So when we come back, we will talk to Paula about that. And so let me tell you again a little bit about Paula. Um, Paula is the the chief executive officer of Bama Industries, and she provides strategic leadership and direction to the entire organization. And their mission is people helping people become successful. And again, they they are all over the world. Um, they're in Europe, they're in China, they're in Poland, and under Paula's leadership, this is a family business, it's about 84 years old now, 80, around that, and um, it provides a, a wide variety of frozen desserts and baked goods to fast food chains and casual and family dining restaurants, and Paula has also written a five, four books, I think it's five books now, and one of them is called Finding the Soul of Big Business, which is really, I think, the landmark of what Paula stands for, at finding the soul, S-O-U-L, of big business. So we'll be right back with Paula A. Marshall right after the break. You're listening to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show right here on voiceamerica.com. America's Voice. We'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Did you know that millions of people around the world do not have children? 
And yet the personal and professional experiences of people without children remain largely unacknowledged across cultures and within our personal networks. Public and workplace policies, media narratives, and educational content often reflect an unconscious bias, rendering our experiences invisible. New Legacy Radio engages these missing conversations with the voices of our community and allies and through committed action for meaningful change. New Legacy Radio, Tuesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Listen for Go to Health Radio, featuring host Jonathan Marks and health experts from around the world who bring evidence-based education from Western, alternative, and holistic practices. We bring together you, seeking relevant and proven information for your healthcare needs and reputable healthcare experts and companies who offer quality education for your benefit. Monthly, we also share continuing education for medical professionals. Listen live every Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Variety. The Soul Connection with Dr. K hosts a forum of expert guests that showcase popular topics that can impact the soul. Weekly, Our Soul Doctor connects with authors, medical professionals, and leaders that share expertise and testimonials. Check out our growing community on site at soulconnectionusa.com. Tune in to Feed the Soul Live every Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time, or listen on your time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. are listening to the Patricia Raskin Show. If you wish to call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That number again is 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com. Now, back to the Patricia Raskin Show. Hi, everyone, and we are back. You are listening to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show right here on VoiceAmerica.com, America's Voice. My guest is Paula A. Marshall. She's the CEO of Bama Industries. They make a lot of the fast food desserts and apple pies from major fast food chains like McDonald's and Walmart and the Pizza Dough for Pizza Hut as well. And uh, she is... Uh, came into the company since childhood. It's, the company has been in her family for over 80 years, but she took over the helm of the company in 1984, and it's really grown. And under her auspices, they've won many, many awards. And also, she was inducted in the Oklahoma Hall of Fame. And so, um, very proud of Paula. And her, the name of one of her books is called Finding the Soul, S-O-U-L, of Big Business. And that is really the sentence that speaks to what she does. I mean, people are not called employees. They're not called associates. <laughs> They're called team members. <laughs> That's right. So welcome back, That's Paula. Right. That's right. All right. So tell us all the wonderful things you're doing here. You're doing teacher grants. You're doing educational technology scholarships. What are some of the things you're doing, not just for team members, but in the community, too? Well, you know, Bama is one of the largest private employers in, the, in Tulsa, and uh, one of, like, you know, very few women-owned businesses around. And so, you know, we've been singled out a lot for different, you know, challenges. And one of those challenges is our team members who, you know, who we hire, who we're able to hire, uh, how can we help them. A lot of our team members come to us with a lot of personal problems. They've, 
encountered the criminal justice system. They've mm-hmm. maybe had problems with drugs and alcohol. Uh, maybe they've got, you know, uh, family situations that they want to change. They want to get, you know, adopt some kids or they want to write a will or, you know, you just, you just encounter all kinds of, of folks that from a socioeconomic level are just all over the board. And that's mm-hmm. the way manufacturing is today. So what my philosophy is, is I'm, I'm more interested in, um, you know, helping people stay at the company a really long time because I feel like, uh, you know, focusing on turnover as turning, turning over people as a strategy is a really wrong, really wrong strategy. So I have done a lot in my career to try to change that. And we've opened a, um, a separate building and inside of it we have, you know, counselors and, and we do classes there. Um, I think some of your training has been there. Mm-hmm. And we've had, you know, we have a lot of team members that access our EAP program, our, you know, support for for people, employee assistance program is what that stands for, which I don't condone the name, but it's an assistance program, and that's what it means. And right now we have at least, you know, 150 people either they're being seen by a counselor, their kids are being seen by a counselor, Mm -hmm. and it's all free to them, so we don't charge them for anything. Mm -hmm. But in addition to that, we have people who want to send their kids to college, and they don't have the money, so we have a scholarship fund. Um, You know, we have uh, over 100 team members that have been at Bama over over 20 years, and we, we celebrate that once a year. We we celebrate with our suppliers. We ask our suppliers to, you know, help us with our Bama aid programs, which is, you know, creates dollars that goes back into the team members or into the community. So, I mean, it's all about being good. You know, we call it being good for the planet, business being a force for good. And Mm -hmm. we really believe that um, businesses can do more and businesses should do more. And um, that's why, you know, that's why we do the things we do. Yeah, and and you do. Um, and I know I've told this story before, but I really would love you to tell it again. Um, when when there was, was it the tornado? Was something that happened where you actually helped a competitor and you went out to the competitor's place in another state right near you and helped them? But I don't remember what it was exactly. Well, it was one of our competitors uh, in Joplin, Missouri. Uh, a few years ago, they had a, a horrific tornado that hit Joplin, and it knocked their entire plant out of commission. And at the time, they were also a supplier of this product to a large customer. And we were asked by the customer if there was anything we could do to go up and help to get them up and running a little bit faster. And... We did, and in the meantime, we took a lot of food and supplies, and we took big semis up there, you know, full of mm. full of food and clothing and and you know materials and things like that to help help the folks that work there at the at the company. So that's really the kind of stuff. I mean, it's we're not alone in that, Patricia. But you know, it, for us, it's a it's a it's not just a one time event. It's not just it's a it's an everyday. Our folks need care every day. They have real, real big world problems. You know, I mean, they have custody issues. They have, you know, um, ex, you know, ex 
ex-wives, ex-husbands, mm-hmm. ex-partners, you know, partners, and, and they need help sometimes collecting back child support. They, they need help with, you know, being able to afford current child support. Uh, they need help in the courts, yeah. you know, navigating their way through life. And it's just a very, to me, it's a very enriching thing to help someone. And to be honest, it drives a ton of loyalty to awesome. our company in the in the marketplace. Mm. And that helps us, you know, because if the people we hire will stay and they will work for a long, long time, that helps us. And it helps yeah. our community and it helps them. So I'm always yeah. happy to do it. Yeah, that's wonderful because, as you said, it comes back, too, right? It comes back. It all comes back. I have a I have a saying I tell people, and I'm like, it's not just me. You guys can give to BMA, too, and you can put some of your 401k money in some of our projects. And I said, you know, if it just stays in your pocket, it's awfully hard to get credit for it, you know, with the inverse. So, yeah, yeah, how true, our, how true. And, you know, know and I want to ask you this, too, because I know, I know that, you know, Oklahoma has one of the largest incarceration states for women, correct? And yes. meaning more women are incarcerated in Oklahoma. And, and you have, you have hired women who have been through the, through that system, through the prison system, and they've done well. And what I'd like you to talk about is, you know, reform. You know, in terms of you see what can happen when somebody has a good job and they're appreciated. So talk about that and, and the changes you've seen when you've brought in some of those women who've, you know, really had a hard time and their lives have changed because you've given them an opportunity. Yeah, it's really, it's so heartwarming and it's so emotional and it's it's amazing on a lot of different levels to talk to these folks, these, you know, these women that have had these horrible situations. Um, my daughter, as you know, Colleen works in the, she works in the criminal justice field. She's a lawyer and she's, she's just done a, a podcast about a woman who was battered and abused, but the family was very well off, had a lot of money and they got her sent to prison for life for killing this abusive husband. So mm-hmm. the point is that everything is not always fair up and down up and down the, the chain. And so I think looking at the circumstances for these a lot of these poor women that were, you know, either abused or they got into a bad relationship with a person that wanted them to go out and sell drugs or wanted them to go and I'm not saying they're all perfectly harmless. But the second chance program here deals with nonviolent uh, women that were given felonies, and for the most part, they were, you know, put in jail for really long times and separated from their families, only to probably create more and more and more, you know, delinquent kids and kids that have to go to foster home, and then you know they they go back to yeah you know, they go back to jail at a higher rate. The children of incarcerated women go to jail at a much higher rate in the future when they get older. So mm-hmm. it's all about breaking the pattern, breaking the cycle, breaking the, you know, the ability for women to not be strong and not learn how to help themselves. So mm-hmm. we just provide, you know, I tell a lot of my friends in business, I said, we're just providing a bridge, you know. We're providing a bridge for women to cross over that want to do better in life and want to right. be successful. Right. 
Right, but but um, you talk, Paula, but when you talk about it, you, you you talk about it as though everybody does that and they don't. You are unusual. I know you don't like to to say that because you know you don't want to toot your own horn, if you will. But I mean, what you do is unusual. There aren't, first of all, there aren't a lot of women CEOs, and the ones that are, are they like you? Are they really putting their internal customers first? And not to put anybody down, but I think that your your modality, your methodology is unique and it's so special and we need more of it. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. And I know you do notice those things. And But, you know, a lot of times when I talk to my male counterparts, it's just not a big passion for them. Right. And, and I don't know how to get it to be a passion for them. There are a, a lot of CEOs that do care. They care deeply, but mm-hmm. a lot of the C- America CEOs do not care. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, how do we change that? I don't know. I wish I did. But here's the but here's the question, Paula. For those that do care, what's the difference? Right? Lower turnover, less hiring, loyal people, uh, people who are really um, team players. Am I right? I mean, does that make sense? Yes, and better. Listen, happy people build better products. They interact with your customers way better. They're not going to make as many mistakes because they're going to help each other when times Mm -hmm. get tough. Mm -hmm. The number one reason customers leave people is because the prices get too high and the mistakes are too many. Mm -hmm. And And what they translate... that's, That's what boils it down. The prices... The prices of all the mistakes that corporate America makes have to get passed on to the to the consumers. And when your product gets too expensive and the quality is poor, you're going to lose market share. There's just no question about it. Well, so that? my mentor, Dr. Deming, used to say, the highest quality product at the lowest possible cost takes the market share. The mm-hmm. only way to do that, Patricia, is by focusing on people and reducing turnover, and helping people have happiness and joy at work. It's a a simple formula, but it's very hard to do because a lot of America's CEOs do not care. Hmm. You know, it's so funny, Paula. It's very hard to do. I have to tell you this because this is really funny. I mean, I'm looking at your book here, Finding the Soul of Big Business, which you wrote probably 10 years ago. Let's see. When did you write this? 2009. So 13 years old. So I'm, I opened it up to this page, and it's like almost verbatim what you just said. I mean, oh, I mean, here it is, Chapter 3, Measuring the Corporate Ego. Companies with effective executives guide the culture of their organizations toward decreasing the ego levels of the individual who are part of the company. Furthermore, a healthy look at the effectiveness of any program will result in identifying inefficient initiatives and making those changes as appropriate. So there you go, right? I mean, it, I mean, these things, Patricia, are not that hard. Right. I feel like if corporate America had the will, <clears throat> had the will, we could change the criminal justice system. We could have more rehabilitation for 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 people who are addicted to drugs. We'd be getting more people off drugs. We could get, be getting more people out of prisons where they're unproductive and it keeps costing more and more and more in taxes. Mm-hmm. Overall, it would reduce the tax burden to have more people working. Absolutely. I mean, it's just it's a simple, simple thing. Yeah. Rather than paying for all these people to be incarcerated, 
Right. Job Absolutely. Skills. Give them you jobs, know, right? Drug and let them feel right. And and helping market. them with some counseling along the way. These things do not cost a lot of money. I'm telling you, mm-hmm. I'm doing it. But I know corporate America would rather focus on a lot of other kind of weird, different things than focus on the needs of the people and meet them where they are. Hmm. It's not about flex time. It's not about working part-time. It's not about being a working mom. You know, yes, all that's important. If you if you have young children and you, you, you need to, you know, have some support and you don't have daycare. So, in general, hybrid workplaces are fine with me. Yes. As long and as people love them. The people are people are preferring them now. And see people and get your project work done. Yeah. Yeah. I don't it's really true. care where you sit. So, yeah. to me, it's about understanding the needs of each person and meeting them where they mm-hmm. are. And That's wonderful. there's just not a lot of desire and passion in corporate America because mm-hmm. they in my opinion, they do not understand the cost mm-hmm. benefit Right. Of helping people. Right. 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 Pa- Paula, maybe maybe you should run for office. <laughs> huh? I said maybe you should run for office. <laughs> oh, I would be le- I would be kicked out so fast. I mean, I have been called Patricia. I used to give speeches all the time, and I've been called a socialist. Can you believe it? Yeah. Well. That's a whole other. That's a I whole mean, other thing. That's a I'm whole a other thing. A, I'm a, I'm for democracy. I love the USA. I love where I live. I absolutely love this country. But there is so much more business should be doing than paying people to sit around in jail and rot. Absolutely. All right. On that note, um, we're going to close. But I can't wait to interview you again. I mean, we always talk about something new each time, which is fabulous. So, Paul, yes, it's always do. an honor and a pleasure to have you. To talk about, right, Patricia? Yep, yep, yep. Stay on for a second. All right, folks, that wraps up this edition of the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show. You can find Paula, Paula A. Marshall, on Facebook. Um, remember, stay healthy, stay happy, get the support you need, and know you can make your dreams come true. Find me on Facebook, Patricia Raskin, Raskin Resources. Write to me, Pat- Patricia, at patriciaraskin.com. I'll put you on my newsletter list. You can see all the great guests I have on. And if you're looking to do your own podcast, because I've interviewed 5,000 people, people in my career. I'd love to help you get your positive message out. All right, everyone. Have a great week. Bye for now. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of the Patricia Raskin Show. Be sure to join Patricia Raskin and another amazing guest next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have an outstanding week.